Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And hi there. We are actually in Park City today, but we're getting ready to go on the road. Actually, I should say on the sea. Um, we are headed for the Caribbean, which is good because I just heard the weather. It sounds like it's going to be horrible here, Rick. It's going to be horrible here, and it's going to be wonderful in the Caribbean. And I, I almost hate to mention, because, you know, sometimes our on-the-road stuff, speaking to parents, speaking to people about marriage and relationships and families, sometimes, not always, but sometimes, it takes us to some pretty nice places. And we are not huge fans of cruises, except for the fact that given what we do, cruises serve us pretty well. But one of the problems when you go and speak a lot or present a lot to audiences is you might give it your best shot for a couple hours and then everybody leaves and you leave and you might never see those people again and there's no follow-up. There's no there's no sort of private question and answer. There's no clarifying that might help someone to implement an idea or come up with their own idea that would really help their family or their marriage. The thing about a cruise is that you, you know, you're with people for a week and it gives a lot of opportunity for one-on-one conversation. It gives a lot of opportunity for sort of follow-up and, and detailing and clarifying certain ideas. And, and you know, by the time we finish with these cruises, we really feel like we have maybe offered some real assistance to some parents and to some marriage partners. And, I might add, we always learn things from them. We always find that we're the learners as well as the teachers. Well, what I was going to say is we come away um, with some new friends, really. I mean, we've kept in touch with several people from cruises in the past, and actually one couple ended up taking our two youngest kids all over um, Southeast Asia, Malaysia, uh, Jakarta. That's right. That was, and that's an amazing thing. That was an amazing thing. But um, it really is fun to really have time to get to know people. And you have to speak for yourself, Richard, when you say we don't like cruises very much because, I mean. Well, I don't. I don't. I didn't say we don't like them. I just say if I think to, to you know sometimes if you don't have a purpose. And maybe I'm too driven by things like this. Yes, you are. I, I would have a hard time just going and laying around on a cruise for a week and not doing anything except reading novels. That would that would be tough on me. Well, I, maybe I should learn to do that. Honey, there are excursion, shore excursions, yeah, all yeah, kinds of things to see. And um, I, I love them because nobody can call me and ask me to do things. Well, they I can, can just... still email you. That's the thing. All the cruise ships now have faster email so you're not really out of touch but but the I mean I, I'm not saying I don't love them they're lots of fun but I'm saying they they really they lend themselves to two things and I know a lot of you listeners know this and and I know cruises aren't for everyone and they're sometimes expensive sometimes they're a pretty good deal frankly but the other thing they lend themselves to besides the kind of brainstorming and discussions presentations that we're going to do on this cruise they lend themselves to family communication, and you probably know, or maybe you yourself have have done a cruise where you're you have your family reunion, and the the cool thing about that 
is that you're all together and you're eating together three times a day and there's all kinds of communication going on and not a lot of tasks that take you away from the communication. So it's one good way to get your family all together and and go somewhere. Yeah, in fact, I have to just mention that um, we have in the past said when the people have asked us to go on a cruise and be speakers, we've said that's great, but don't pay us, just give us a room for kids, our kids, maybe sometimes two, sometimes four can go with us and it makes it so fun. We we had one time when we took just all of our sons and then I think one was on a mission at a time, so there were just four of them. But then there was another time we took all of our daughters. And then there was another time we took all of our in-law daughters. We haven't yet talked our in-law sons into doing that yet. Well, we we t- I took them on another trip. They they weren't up. They They weren't due for a trip. But. Well, anyway, um, that's beside the point today, but it is really fun. I look forward to really meeting interesting new people, and we've got one coming up in January, too, and we may have some listeners that are going with us. So just know that we're looking forward to that. Now, before before anyone gets the wrong idea here, because a lot of, a lot of times cruises are thought of as kind of an elitist thing, and they're only for the rich and so on. Actually, there are, like I was mentioning earlier, some pretty good deals, and we're not selling cruises, but what we do find, and and this is logical when you think about it, most people that go on cruises are not young parents. I mean, how how could you practically in most cases? Well, unless the parent, the older parents are paying for them. Yeah, that's right. But, I mean, not only are they expensive, but... If you're young and you've got a family, you're working and you probably can't get the time off and, and it's hard to take kids out of school and, and, and it is expensive. So just as a matter of reality, most of the people who go on cruises are grandparents rather than parents. And that's okay from our standpoint because we love talking to grandparents and not only learning from them and trying to teach them some of our ideas, but just getting involved in the brainstorming about what can grandparents do for their grandchildren, for their married kids. How, how, can, how can the family become a real three-generation family and not just, oh, Grandpa and Grandma live in Phoenix and they play golf every day and we live here in the real world and we're the ones raising the kids. How can we integrate that more? And And that's kind of one reason we like to go on that's what we accept the invitation to go on these cruises is we know we will have a lot of grandparents around who will really have a lot to say and a lot to learn and and who are really thinking about their new role as empty nest parents and how to remain family oriented even though they don't live directly with their family every day it's a, it's a huge interesting subject to think about. And having thought about that for a while, we um, are going to launch into really the topic of the day, which is broadly traditions, family traditions, which, you know, goes right into maybe some people have a family tradition of going on a cruise. (laughs) Um, You never know. But traditions are so much more important than we think they are. Well, and we're specifically, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Linda, since you're the boss, but I think we're going to mainly talk about Thanksgiving traditions, and we're going to kind of pick up where we left off last week. Those of you who who listened last week, we 
we kind of let it, I, I may have, I felt a little guilty afterward that I'd been too bombastic, which Linda accuses me of sometimes in, in, my, in my viewpoint that, darn it, why are we losing the holiday of Thanksgiving? Why is it getting snuffed out? Why is it getting squozen out by Halloween on the one hand and Christmas on the other? And, and why do they rip down the jack-o'-lanterns and the pumpkins and the witches and in one weekend and then the very next day put up the Santa Clauses and the snowmen and and where did Thanksgiving go? And worst of all, I've never noticed it as much as this year. People aren't even calling Thanksgiving Thanksgiving. You know what they're calling it? Black Thursday. The beginning, the big sale. The time to go in and, and get commercialed out in terms of uh, spending all your money on Christmas. And, and, and you know, I'm not against Halloween, and I love Christmas on all kinds of different levels, but please, folks, let's not lose Thanksgiving because it's the greatest family gathering holiday ever invented. In fact, we just got a notice of some center city families that are desperately in need and uh, of sub-percentage people that can sub for Santa. And it actually was so interesting because they gave us all the instructions and everything, and they said, okay, so go out on Black Thursday and shop, shop, shop till you drop, you know, for these families that are needy. Wow, I would say uh, stay home on Thanksgiving. Yeah, <laughs> Enjoy give it a your rip. family. Enjoy your family. I mean, imagine trying to imagine soliciting the idea that you should go shopping all day on Thanksgiving. Give me a break. Thanksgiving, the whole not only the the holiday, Linda, but you know the whole weekend of Thanksgiving, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, ought to be this remarkable time when families gather. And what do they do? Well, look at the name of the holiday, folks. It ought to be a time when we count our blessings, when we reflect on the year that's just coming to a close and how how many wonderful things have happened and how many challenges we've had, too, and be grateful for both sides of the the ledger, so to speak, and do a little reassessing and, and maybe have some traditions that make Thanksgiving even better, and that's what we're going to try to get into today. Now, what now, are the best Thanksgiving traditions that we've ever heard of in, in all of our travels and all of our discussions? Richard, you're so funny. You just said, I kind of was embarrassed that I was so bombastic I'm sorry, I last did it week. Again. And you were worse this week. I mean, there are people that don't have family around. Uh, you know, indeed, go shopping, have a great time, especially if it's for people who are in need. But, you know, if you do have family there, really enjoy them. And uh, in the second half, we're really going to give you some specific ideas of fun things you can do. Um, in fact, we have a daughter who just blogged about Thanksgiving and a book giveaway, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, and she said, when you when you comment, just put in your family tradition for Thanksgiving. And there were some really good ideas. So um, I think we're going to share that. In the, yeah, we're going to share. A, we're going to share a lot of those in the second half of the show. But Linda, I'm just going to push back one more time. I, I mean, I can't think of anything sadder than a person who is all alone on Thanksgiving, unless I imagine that all-alone person on Thanksgiving going shopping on Black Thursday. I mean, honestly, let's let's give a rest on the shopping. I mean, hopefully even <laughs> people who don't have family that's accessible to them 
can have Thanksgiving dinner with their neighbor or with or with another single person who they know and like or or something. I mean, Thanksgiving, no one should be alone on Thanksgiving and no one should be shopping on Thanksgiving. I rest my case. <laughs> I guess you've said enough. <laughs> and uh, there's some probably some listeners out there that are fuming at the ears. <laughs> Because they're so excited about shopping on Thanksgiving. Oh, wait till Monday. Wait till the Monday after the Thanksgiving. Well, hour. even Friday. I mean, you know, and the crowds go down. I mean, we can fight about this after the show. But we can fight about it after the yeah. show. But I, I do want to say uh, just before we go to a little short break that we haven't always. Let, here's a little true confession for you. Richard and Linda Iyer and their family have not always had great and profitable and teaching-oriented, wonderful Thanksgiving traditions. In fact, I think we spend a lot of our time as young parents having the same tradition a lot of people do, which is not a great one, although it's still a tradition and it still does some good things. But essentially our tradition was eat way too much and watch football all day. Yep, that was it. That was our tradition. And uh, we finally came up with something that was a little more productive, and we'll be talking about that in just a few minutes after this break. Iyer's on the Road, parenting in a modern world. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back. And Linda... How did your memory's always a little sharper, a little crisper, a little more precise than mine? How did we chance upon what we now think is a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving tradition? Well, first of all, thank you for that nice compliment. And I do have a pretty good memory, except when I lose my phone three times a day. But anyway, <laughs> um, I do um, think that we just got tired of. Everybody just wasting away Thanksgiving by just watching football all day. And, well, there's um, parades and all that, which is always fun and so on. And it's not, uh, everybody watches football. I'm not, we're not saying you can't do that. But we're saying you can make your day a lot more profitable if you get a roll of, like, adding machine paper that's long. I mean, it's rolled up. And and you can roll it out long, long, long. And we started the kids on the first year that we did this, said just on this paper, start writing things that you're thankful for. And incidentally, it doesn't have to be a roll of paper. It can be just sheets of paper. You can, anything you get. But we, the reason we like the roll, we'll get to in a minute, because we, we, we used it for decoration later on. But I want to just throw in color commentary, Linda, as you go. The way I remember it, and, you know, again, maybe I'm a little off here, but it seems to me I can remember in our house in Virginia, waiting in northern Virginia by Washington, D.C., waiting for the turkey to cook, and the football game was a little boring. And somebody said, what are we thankful for? And we started listing them. We started numbering them. We just had little kids at the time, and they were saying, well, we're thankful for... I mean, little kids are funny because... You say, what are you grateful for? And, and they'll come up with kind of a mixture of the of the sublime and the ridiculous. You know, like they'll say, I'm thankful for the beauty of the moon at night or something. And then next they'll say, and I'm thankful for, uh, uh, 
for for doorknobs because otherwise how would we get indoors or whatever you know and the but but the point is once they're focused on it what are they thankful for it goes on and on they can think of one thing after another after another and if you're writing them down making a list it gets pretty fun huh yeah it really is fun we um i think they got two or three hundred the first year and they were so proud of themselves. And every cousin that came in the door, every aunt and uncle, come on, help us with this list. We got to do more. We got to do more every year. And I think the last list was about a thousand. I mean, it was pretty crazy. And we did hang it up like crepe paper above the Thanksgiving table. But there are a lot of different ways to do gratitude, um, to show your gratitude. But let's stay on that list for a minute, because I heard from a, I heard of a family that did it on a toilet paper roll. And you may think that's a little weird. And hard. You'd have, you'd have to have a pen like that wouldn't tear the paper, but you could do that. You could do. You could make a long roll. You could just do it on sheets of paper and then well, hook them together. But something visual that little kids and numbering them. You know, one, two, three, one hundred and ten, one hundred and eleven, one hundred and thirteen, so that everyone's pushing and thinking together. And it's a collective thing. You might be doing this around the kitchen bar while while dinner's cooking, or you might be doing this. You know, in the family room while you're just sitting there together and and so on. So you can visualize how this might work. But the the only real essential thing is that you're you're numbering as many things as you can that you're thankful for, and one thing leads to another and makes you think of another, and and you start realizing little kids start realizing, wow, I've got a lot of blessings. Yeah, it really is important for them to think about what they're blessed with because. We have so many blessings, and we take them for granted. I mean, and not that just one day makes a big difference. We need to be grateful every day. But it's just really nice to spend some time thinking about all the things in your life you're grateful for. And I have to say that, you know, uh, kids would write their favorite movies, their favorite actor in the movie, everything, every book that they'd read that they loved, everything that they could possibly think of. Because, you know, when there's a thousand, you have to go to the depths and grab what you can. But it really has been a fun activity. But and let me let me just interject too that that there's a lot of offshoots. We've told people about this idea for years, and we've had a lot of feedback from other families. And I like the the variations. Like one family said, after we get the list done, we actually get out a timer and we see who can read it all the fastest. You know, who can read all those. 200 things or 500 things or whatever it is fastest and we put a stopwatch on them uh, that was interesting and then in our own family we we created a variation that that we still do now i mean if you were to come to our house for thanksgiving dinner this year you wouldn't see us making the thankful list anymore because most of the people that come to eat dinner with now are, are a little older and they're not going to be entertained endlessly by just trying to think of another thing on the list so so it's evolved into a game, and I love this. I, maybe it's because I'm too competitive, but but you just you give everyone a piece of paper, and you might, you can have 20 people, or you might have 40 people, wherever many are there, and you can do this while you're working on preparation for the dinner and so on. But the challenge is to each list 10 things that you think you're uniquely thankful for. In other words. They can't be something that only you have. Like you can't say, I'm thankful for my uh, pen that I bought at, uh, you know, last month in the mall. It, it has to be something that anyone could say they're thankful for, something that's a, a, a universal blessing of some kind. 
but you try to think hard enough that you pick 10 unique ones because the way it's scored is that after you get your list, you go around the room and everyone reads their list, and if someone else has that item, then both people have to cross that off because the only one that counts toward your final goal is a thing you thought of you were thankful for, deeply grateful for, that no one else thought of, and that's how you win the game. Wow, I know, and we have had a lot of fun with that, especially when it's adults, you know, when you can just sit around and, and do it in a small group of adults because it's really funny to think of who can think of the most unique thing and end up being the winner. So, you know, there's that. There's also so many other ideas. Let me just throw in a few from this blog, uh, from comments, from Charity's blog. Um, somebody said something really fun. In, in fact, interestingly, let me start with this one. She says, I realize this is so sad, but all I can think about on Thanksgiving is that we rotate uh, houses and we eat turkey. She said, I need to start being more proactive on being thankful. And so um, here is one that is really good. Um, She says, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Years ago, I found this idea of a thankful jar to help kids feel and show more gratitude. She found it on something called sugardoodle.com, if anybody's interested in looking that up. It has become such a hit. My kids love it, and so do I. Each day we pick a slip from a thankful jar, and I guess they have put little things that they're thankful for in the jar, and then they just pick it out randomly. And um, she says, we pick out a slip such as, I'm thankful for my ears, and then we do an activity like listening to music all day. So they're using their ears and realizing how much they appreciate their ears. That's really a fun idea. And that reminds me of one that a lot of our kids do with their kids called the thankful tree. Yeah. I think Shawnee started it where you you start out with just a big, like a skeleton tree, like a tree without leaves. And then you have little leaves, little cut-out paper leaves, and kids write a blessing on there, something they're thankful for, and put it on the tree. Isn't that basically how it works, Linda? And they try to fill the tree up by Thanksgiving. So this is when you'd start on early in the month. Right, and it's still early. I mean, there's plenty of time um, to do a thankful tree, and it's just something that's so easy, especially if you have little kids in the house. Just, you know, cut out a bunch of leaves, and every day put put what you're thankful in so that you have a beautiful autumn tree by Thanksgiving. What I like about that, so it's a little like an advent calendar for Christmas or, a, you know, 24 days of Christmas or whatever, or 12 days so that you're, you're building up to the holiday. You're not, and again, it gets back to my premise that November ought to be the Thanksgiving month, not the month in between Halloween and Christmas, because there's, there's things you can do starting early in the month, which we still are, and continuing in, which are sort of builders of anticipation for the Thanksgiving Day. And, of course, don't forget that Thanksgiving, in its purest form, is directed to God. And so a lot of families have wonderful prayer traditions where they keep track of their prayers. And during November, they try to emphasize in their family prayer not what they're asking for, but what they're thankful for, because it honors the spirit of Thanksgiving. Right, and I think we we really need to remember that we also need to honor the pilgrims. I mean, that is what Thanksgiving is about. And several of these comments 
were about pilgrims. And, in fact, somebody said that they were actually the eighth great-grandchild of William Bradford. Wow, how about that? So they really uh, paid attention to those pilgrims that brought so much to our lives. And um, she said on Thanksgiving Day, this is... um, Reading, they said as they got older, we read books about William Bradford or Plymouth or Squanto. And on Thanksgiving Day, my mother-in-law puts five kernels of corn by each place setting to represent the ration of five kernels of corn that the pilgrims had during the winter. That's a cool idea. That is. No. And, and then, wait, let me finish. Okay. Then we each say five things we're thankful for. We also read Abraham Lincoln's Thanksgiving proclamation. Very inspiring. I don't know if I've ever that or well you know that was a, the interesting thing about that it's a, it was 150 years ago this year that Abraham Lincoln issued an official proclamation making the the fourth Thursday ah. of November a national holiday prior to that people still talked about the pilgrims but it was sort of dispersed and and he made that happen now before we run out of time Linda we need to remind listeners that uh, we think so much of Thanksgiving that we wrote a book on it. And the book has just come out, and it's called The Thankful Heart. And you can find it in any bookstore or on Amazon if you just look for The Thankful Heart. Or there's a link on byuradio.org, right. and so you can go directly to it. And I, and I want to just say that our um, our daughters are all blogging about this book, and you can win a free copy by by doing what you're reading, Linda, the, the in fact, maybe we should mention Charity's blog. It's called drippingwithpassion.blogspot.com. And you can also go to uh, 71toes.com, and you'll find a post about this. But I want to end, and you, you have the last word, Linda, but I want to give two quotes. One is by Abram Maslow. The most fortunate are those who have the wonderful capacity to appreciate again and again, freshly and naively, the basic goods of life with awe, with pleasure, with wonder, and even with ecstasy. And then our own little quote from Linda and I, gratitude does not lend itself to happiness or lead to happiness. Gratitude is happiness in its most obtainable form. I love that, and I think that's a very good way to close the show today, except to say that we're grateful for you listeners, and we hope that you are more and more grateful every year as we approach this great holiday. Thanks for listening. See you next week on Ayers on the Road.